Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Well, Merry Christmas, Downtown Hope. My name is Joe. I have the gift of serving Downtown Hope as lead pastor, and it is a gift to gather together in our homes with our families uh, on Zoom. Uh, I just want to begin by saying thank you to our incredible team. The Lord has just used this team in this season, and this is, as David and June mentioned, you know, a season, a Christmas Eve like no other, but we are uh, so thankful to have this technology and to be able to gather and, and look forward to, to gathering in person again as, as the new year in 2021 opens up. You know, to be human is to live in an unresolved song. Every great song is filled with patterns of harmonic dissonance, a dissonance that is a longing for resolution. Uh, dissonance is that tension that we feel when a combination of disharmonious or unsuitable elements come together. And the human song we find ourselves in is actually no different. Uh, we've been learning to live in the dissonance in 2020. The sound of people crying out in the wake of a virus sweeping across our planet, and whether the cry in your heart is for control and security, or whether the cry in your heart is for autonomy and freedom, there is a cry, there's a dissonant cry in our condition. And the question in the dissonance is resolution. How does the tension get resolved? And what we discover in the passage that Jen just read in, is in the miracle of the incarnation is how the dissonance in the human song is resolved. We first hear this dissonance in the background in the first couple verses that Luke gives us here in chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. One of the interesting things we know about Caesar Augustus is that he claimed uh, to be the son of God, and then at, uh, after his death, he was uh, deified as a god. And so here we have, very interestingly, at the beginning of this passage, in the framework of the passage, a man, a human being, who is uh, claiming to be God himself. And this is at the heart of every sinful motive in act in our condition is a desire to play God in some way, shape, or form. And from a biblical framework, the dissonance comes in our lives from the tension between our divine created as created in the image of God and our human deprivation, the effects of sin that permeate our lives. The, the dissonance affects everything. I mean, it affects, our, it affects creation as a whole, it affects our emotions, it affects our minds, it affects our souls, it affects our bodies. Romans 8, 19 says it this way, For creation waits with eager longing, for we know that the whole creation has been growing to get, groaning together in the pangs of childbirth until now. Verse 23, and, uh, and not only creation, but we ourselves... We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. This is what musician and theologian Jeremy Begbie's idea of being human is to live in the midst of delayed resolution. 
Every religion, every worldview seeks to resolve the dissonance through our efforts in some way, whether that's through material, whether that's through religious, moralistic, uh, good, uh, good works and good deeds. Everyone attempts to find resolution in themselves in some way, shape, or form, but the tension remains. The dissonance is still there. And the plot unfolds in this passage into the dissonance we hear an unexpected chord. We find this in verses 4 through 12. Arriving into the city is another, uh, the city of another king who is David, we find in verse 4. Joseph went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered to marry his betrothed who was with child. And so here we have this couple, this woman who is with child, married to a man who is of the lineage of of another king, coming to the city of another king, King David from the past. And what is Luke saying here? He's saying, in the shadow of the world, and specifically in the Jewish nation, under the control of a human king, Caesar Augustus, who is exalting himself as God, there is another king who will be born. And the question is, who is this king? This is the unexpected chord. This is the unexpected sound that comes into the song, as it were. And there's two markings to this king. The first we might call a minor key. We find it in verse 7. He's uh, wrapped in swaddling peasant clothing. Not the kind of clothing a king would be wrapped in. He's laid, in verse 7, in a manger. Not the kind of crib a king would be placed in. And he's born into a cave, as, as, as legend has it, as history has it, or a stable of some sort. Not the kind of castle a born king would be placed in. There was no room, as we find in the inn. There was no appropriate place for him to be born. And the announcement in verse 8 is given to poor shepherds. Who is this king that comes into the dissonance? It's a king who holds a minor key. He's unexpected. It's marked by, we might say, his humanity. But secondly, in this passage, what we find is this king is also marked by his divinity. We might call it a major key. The announcement, for example, comes through angels from heaven. The the, uh, announcement, for example, is a heralding of good news, of great joy for all people across the world. The king comes, the heralding of this king, we find three words to describe him. A savior, one who will resolve the dissonance and the tension Christ, the Messiah, the anointed King, and the Lord, God himself. It's an incredible tension that we find in the humanity of this born King and the divinity of this born King. You see, we needed the power and the authority, the otherness of God himself to overcome the dissonance to consume the tension, to overpower our condition. We needed the major key. But a God who's only other in that kind of transcendent way is not actually relatable or attainable. He swoops down, but there is no love bond. There is no connection. He's so far out there and so far other. We needed a king who was human, a king that was humble, a king that was meek, a king that was weak, a king that was vulnerable, a king... Of, of, of human, a human king who could empathize and treat our sin condition, who could walk where we've walked, 
who could understand the journey that we've been on, who had been tempted, as Hebrews says, in every way, but resisted sin. A minor key. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says it this way, have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For the dissonance in the human condition to be resolved, what is needed is the perfection of God and the human experience. To have a God without human experience treats the dissonance of our sin, but in a hollow kind of cheap or cheating way. To have a a God who has the human experience, but without perfection allows for empathy, but it doesn't treat the dissonance of our sin. And this is the wonder and the mystery and the beauty of the incarnation. God comes in flesh and yet remains eternal. God moves into the neighborhood, and yet his throne remains in heaven. God inhabits the human condition, and yet remains fully divine. God, in love, enters into the lostness, the dissonance of the world, and says, I will be your king, fully God, fully human. And there is a a resolution in the dissonance, And it's in the song that the angels sing in verse 13 and 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's an incredible picture that we find in here, the fullness of the doctrine of the incarnation. Glory to God in the highest, fully divine, and on earth in the grit, in the mess of life, peace on earth with those whom he is pleased. One of the greatest moments of dissonance in modern history was World War I. Jeffrey Studdard Kennedy was an English Anglican priest and poet. He was nicknamed uh, Woodbine Willie during World World War I because as he was on the field with soldiers, he would give them Woodbine cigarettes along with spiritual aid as they were dying and injured. And he writes a beautiful piece of prose on Christmas morning that I think captures the song of heaven that has come to earth. It was pouring rain and the roads were very heavy. Sounds a little bit like this last year for many of us. Everywhere along the road, one met troops mud up to their knees, dripping wet, but always with great, with a greeting ready or a joke. The first place we were due was a little French village, which in summer and in happier times must be a beautiful place, but it was desolate that Christmas morning. The road, a quagmire, cut into ruts and hollows by heavy traffic, and the hedges covered with mud. I found 400 men up in the rain waiting. I hurried into my robes and went into the middle of the square, and so you start to see this picture unfold. There was, of course, no instrument, and I thank God for a voice like a foghorn. But once we started, come all ye faithful, no instrument and no leading voice were necessary. They sang with all their might. Then the glorious part came. I went to a shed in the farmyard, and the communicants came. It was going to administer the Lord's Supper. There were not many but they meant it. No lights, no ritual, nothing to help but the rain and the far-off roll of guns. 
And then he ends with this. And Christ was born in a cattle shed on Christmas Day. The incarnation is the hope of a world deep in dissonance. We're going to sing this next song that they sang that Christmas morning during World War I that Woodbine Willie led them in. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. O come and behold him, born the King of Angels. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. O sing choirs of angels, sing in exultation. O come, O come ye to Bethlehem. O come and behold him, born the King of Angels. Come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Thank you.